came a long way. That's what the song say. And I could do all things. I could do all things. Yeah, I could do all things. Yeah, yeah, we came a long way. Hey, what's up? What's going on? And welcome to the Be Real Podcast, where we keep it real on social issues, history, news, faith, and everything in between. It's your one-stop podcast with thought-provoking talk and real content. Now, it's time to get real with your host, Brandon Mosley. You already know what I'm going to tell you. Swag out. I can do all things, I can do all things, yeah, yeah And that's what the songs say I can do all things, yeah, yeah I can do all things What's going on everybody, welcome, welcome back Thank you again for tuning in every week and for those who continue to turn in, tune in, please make sure that you uh, subscribe on whatever platform you use. And please make sure if you're using Apple iTunes or I'm sorry, podcast, please make sure that you uh, five star me and write me a review, please. And if you want to send me a voicemail on Anchor, feel free to do so. I would love to hear your voices. Um, so, yeah, this is the middle of our first season, the sixth episode so i decided to bring in another guest that we'll talk about in a second um and we're going to be talking about the idea of black behind the camera and some of the things that i believe is necessary to speak about in terms of uh film and tv for african americans and some of the things that we may i mean i don't want to say deal with but in terms of need to deal with when we create our films so I brought a uh, a young film student in. I have I mean, many people I could have brought in, even from my aunt to some friends I have that were actually who were been in the the um, industry for years. But I wanted to hear a, a fresh voice and and let you guys hear a fresh voice and just see where the future's headed. But before we get to that, you know, I have to tell my story and give you guys some facts and all that good stuff. So I want to get right into my story, but before I do that, I want to play you guys a clip. Whitley, I love you, and if you'll have me, I want you to be my wife. What the hell are you doing? Hey, I'm sorry, Byron, I love her. Duh, yes, duh. Let him go, man. Will you have me, Dwayne, as your lawfully wedded husband from this day forth to having a home and richer for poorer? Baby, please, please. I do. That, my friends, is the famous clip from A Different World. I couldn't play the theme song because of copyright infringement. I don't want to be sued. I don't want none of those problems. But I wanted to play a quick clip. And this clip is so vital because this is when Dwayne and Whitney finally realize they need to be married. Or they finally have a chance to actually get married. They've broken up so many times back and forth. And it's just a very famous show in the black community and I think in pop black pop culture going back to the late 80s and early 90s and it's a show that's set at Hillman a historically black college um, which is actually comes from 
the Cosby Show. Um, of course, it's not a real college, but it shows us the life of black college students and what they go through. And this show is something I started to watch as a kid um, in the waning years of the show. We're talking like the early 90s, 92, 93. And I was super young. It would come on, I believe, NBC. I was like five, six years old, and I would watch that show. So it will be on it will be on TV. I will be able to watch uh, portions of it. And as a kid and, and, and I truly remember as a kid, Dwayne, because he looked like me to in, in my mind, in my eyesight, he looked like me. And the reason why he looked like me, because he was like the same close to the same complexion I was at that time. And he wore glasses. Right. And as a kid, I wore glasses by like age four. I was wearing glasses. Seriously, I never had good eyesight. So, yeah, that's just was me. But he was so cool with wearing glasses, right? He had the flip-up glasses and super smart. He had a cute girlfriend. He was in college. Everything was, like, amazing. I fell back in love with this show by, like, middle school when I was watching, like, the on BET when they used to show um, the show come like, the reruns. And I used to watch the reruns. And he used to come on other channels, too, and I would always watch the reruns. I can't remember what other channel came on, but I would watch the reruns and I just like fell in love with the show even more. It just showed me the life of college. And literally, the reason why I went to college was because of this show. Watching this show made me like dream bigger, made me dream that I could be in college one day and I could do some amazing things. And Dwayne ended up being a teacher at some at one point um, and, and I'm a teacher today. And a lot of it has to do with me watching that show. And this is, to me, why representation is so important um, and why shows like that and films like that are so important. Um, and that's something that I always kept close to me, that there was someone on TV that looked like me and was doing some amazing things, Right. And another close thing for me, I never told anyone this but my wife, and I'll tell you guys, don't tell anybody else, please. Um, when I was in like fifth grade, I wrote a, I started writing a film script. And I, for some reason, I thought in my mind that this is impossible for me to do because the only one at the time that I knew of, the only two people was, uh, John Singleton and Spike Lee. And, and, and in my mind, it, it was going to be impossible for me to ever make a movie. Like, I don't, you know, I, I'm not worried about making a movie today or anything like that. But as a kid, at like in fifth grade, you know, the summer before I went to sixth grade, I was writing it, thinking like maybe one day, but I just, one, I just ended up giving up on it because I just thought it could never happen. But today's kids, they have so many different people to look at. Um, and I think that's so important to have these people in industry to show kids that it's possible for you to do it and also give kids a pathway to um, this industry. So without further ado, I have a amazing guest, uh, a young man that I taught um, in his senior year um, years back. And now he's going into his fourth and final year in college at the University of uh, Las Vegas, uh, so UNLV, Uni University of Nevada, Las Vegas. I will um, let him introduce himself and 
You guys sit back, grab some popcorn, and enjoy the interview. All right, guys, I have a special guest with us. He was a former student of mine. He's doing some amazing things um, in school, and he's uh, going into film. So I'm going to let him introduce himself. So uh, go ahead, sir. Talk to the people. All righty, all righty. Hello, everybody. My name is Question Fisher. I'm currently a fourth-year um, student at UNLV. I'm a film student with a focus in directing, producing, acting, and writing, you know, just the all-around, just to learn and grow with the film department. I'm currently the president of this club, this film club on campus called Rebels Behind the Scenes. Yeah, where I just handle like the daily presidential things and basically community build within the film department and be inclusive and diverse with the board and members and everything. And I'm also a member of a black student organization on campus as well. I'm the director of community involvement. And yeah, I'm, I'm also, y'all, don't, y'all might not know, I'm a former student of Mr. Mosley's. So we go way back. I was, I was one of his first students in his first year at Rancho, my senior year. It was what, uh, economics in U.S. government? Yes, sir. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> So we go way back. Good guy. Uh, questions. Uh, uh, amazing young man. Um, I still remember him being 17 years old. So now looking at him as being, he got a full face of hair. It's crazy. <laughs> he had a little bit when he was 17 too. Uh, so man, you, you, you doing a lot of stuff um, in terms of being part of the community of UNLV yeah. and also being a four, he, he also spent a year at a HBCU. So He's uh, someone who's connected, and, and I wanted to bring someone younger on because I know people who are a little older who's in this in this industry, but I want to see what the future looks like. Um, so my first question to you, question is like, what director inspired you the most to really get into um, film and get into the idea of like writing, directing, and producing? Oh, man, you know, it's, it's plenty of them, but it's that one, especially with my young age, where I'm at now, I could say like a Spike Lee, yeah, he had some inspiration, John Singleton. But for me personally, for like around the time when I did decide, like back in like eighth grade, I believe it was, that I wanted to go into film, it was my guy, Ryan Coogler. Like, and I had the, I had the honor of meeting him too, because he came to UNLV in November. So got to pick his brain out, talk to him, and yeah, just watching his, his films. And it's like character development, story, writing, Man, like he able to like take take the um with what he did with his first debut film and you know it was it was personal to him and you you see that and he displayed it on full display by focusing on something very important with that debut film and man he just blossomed it just blew me away. I was honestly one of the first movies I ever cried in as well. Yeah, so that was Fruitvale Station. So for those who may not know, yeah. um, it's the story of Oscar Grant being murdered by uh, police off of the uh, train train station on, uh, I believe, uh, January first, the night of uh, New yeah. New Year's Eve. So, I mean, it's 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 crazy to think about his first film that that got him into the scene was about what was what's going on today, right? Um, yeah. So why do you think that film was so impactful? Like, to you, why was that so impactful? Because, you know, I, because, like, watching it in the theater and having them show on full display, 
Cause like I, cause like at the time, you know, I wasn't really seeing much like, you know, displays of like how there was police brutality in films and stuff like that. So to see, to see him put on full display of how one man's life was taken, was taken within a day and he was just trying to go out, enjoy, have a good night with some friends. And then there was just a minor little issue. And then he was, he was profiled and then the cops just took him down when he was just innocent and just that he just like they took his life away and looked at him as a threat. I'm like, man, like that's how they really like look at us. And you actually get to see this in film, like how what they think of us. Yeah. And I think what's crazy about that film, it, it may makes him. Um, uh, it lets us know we're all the same in essence. Like when you see his life before that, he has yeah. a daughter he has a girlfriend. He's trying to find work. Um, but you see life struggles in Oakland. And, and also, I mean, that's the same story for a lot of inner cities. Um, he might have made small mistakes in the past, but he, he, he wants to work. He wants to have a good life. He wants to take care of his daughter. And it, it lets us know that, like, you know, when people think that those that African-American males are just violent, angry people. And I talked about this in another podcast. He really shows the, the human side of Oscar Grant. And yeah, I think that's exactly. a that's a story that we that everyone can connect with all the way up to police brutality, where it yeah. kind of the story story changes and diverge into this is what African American males go through. So mm-hmm. my 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 next question is like, is it important for us to tell our own story? And I say us, like African Americans and people of color, to tell their own story um in film and in you know TV. Oh, absolutely, I think it is. Absolutely. Because let's just say, for example, like in certain like old school shows, you know, like I Love Lucy and, you know, other Caucasian primarily made shows and film. Like, can we actually relate to those shows and movies? Like, look at those and be like, hmm, you know, I could actually relate and like how it could be in my life. Not really, because it's like because like with black film and black um in television like the laughs and the emotion and like the sadness you see and you feel from film it's like stuff you can relate with so like with Fruitvale Station like like you said like that could be any one of us yeah. in there and also with like you know you can also say like good good heartfelt like family movies like this Christmas like how many black family um, movies do you regularly see yeah. Like big family gathering type thing. You don't really see that as much, but it's happening all the time. So with little movies like that, it's like, it, it feels good. Cause it's like, you know, yeah, I'm having a good time seeing a black family, big black family gathering on screen. Like, yeah, me, you can just sit there and be like, yeah, me and my family did this, have good times, dancing, laughing and joking. So, you know, it's, it's just, it just feels good to see like us being represented in, like our daily lives and that could be us and something that we can actually relate to on screen. Uh, and, and the follow-up question with that, like with telling our own story, is it really important for us to make sure like if it's a black story, it's in uh, the hands of a black director? Because one of the, like the biggest um, issues people had back in the day and, and people forget about it is the color purple was, wasn't done by a black director. You know what I mean? No Spielberg. Yes, the one of the most popular uh, directors of the time. Um, but that film told, like, you know, the story of African-Americans in the South coming up 
in you know 19 what 20s 30s whatever and mm-hmm. it, it's a very heartfelt and like crazy story but it wasn't done i know spike lee had an issue with it and other directors mm-hmm. had an issue with it do you think it do you think that's a a, a valid concern or is it okay for like you know white directors and writers to kind of tell african-american stories i mean it is a valid concern you know with people like spielberg and what he did with the color purple you know he had no ill will and he I, you could tell with the movie because it, it is a great movie that yeah he actually took care and cared about the film and wanted to make it right so you know i i understand and i feel for him and and everything but you know it's just something about like it's like about opportunities and let, letting like mm-hmm. a black filmmaker be able to touch and put their magic and put on display like, yo, these are my people and this is what we went through. So I'm going to tell it my way and do it correctly and in order. So, yeah, like when it comes to guys like Spielberg and the color purple, you know, like I said, I, I, I get it. And he, he actually, you can tell like he actually cared and, put his emotion into it and he actually cared like, yeah, I want to, I want to be able to tell these people stories because I also think like maybe he, maybe he would have thought at the time like studios because there, there wasn't really many black writers and directors at the time. So he was like, you know, they don't, maybe he was just like, I want to tell this story because it needs to be told. Maybe they'll, the studios will trust me because of my track record. So I'll, so I'll just put it on display, you know? So, I, I think, yeah, but yeah, overall, we, we do need to be able to put our own hands and magic into it because this is us. This is our people. Yeah. These are stories that we should be able to tell through our own eyes. Yeah, and, and I, like you said, I appreciate he had a whole all-black cast and hired black um, and listened to uh, people to help him write this script. Um, but, you know, sometimes what, what happens is when, they, when you have the European gaze, you create mm-hmm. like the stereotypes and you see, like you see a movie like Hollywood Shuffle that deals with all the stereotypes. And um, I want to ask you, like, do you think we still have problems with like stereotypes of people of color and, and African Americans in film and in uh, television today, or is that a thing of the past? Um, there is still little hints of it. You know what I mean? Yeah, just little hints here and there. It's like just constantly showing, you know how. The, like some of the negatives about us, like low-income households, dirty, ghetto-type situations, and and this is one of the problems I have with like certain like Tiffany Haddish movies, if you know what I mean. They, like after Girls Trip, it's just I don't know if it's her her manager giving her these roles or the studio's just like oh yeah, this just fits Tiffany Haddish perfectly, just the loud mouth of black girl in film, so. Yeah, just just little stuff like that. There's still issues with. Yeah, because they're just typecasting it. Yeah, even in the Pets movie too. <laughs> she was a she was a loud dog, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, yeah, that's crazy. Um, so, my 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 follow up question is like, do you think like black film and TV and like directors and writers, is it their duty to to be political or or, or take a stand for something? Or can they just be enter- entertaining? Can they just be entertainment? Or, or do they have to have a message somewhere? Like, not in all their films, but do they need that film that, you know, that that takes a stand? Hmm. 
Well, I don't necessarily want to say it's their duty to do so, but if they are going to do it, you know, just go full steam ahead and make your mark with it. So you, I think they can actually do both, you know. If you're going to have, like, a political-type statement in the film with, like, a big message in it, you know, go go ahead. But if you just want to make something, like, for entertainment purposes and, you know, just having us be able to smile, be happy in a film, you know, go ahead and do so. That's why we That's why we have, like, the best of both worlds. Like, I, that's how I prefer it. Just, you know, you can have a, the wood, the boys in the hood, or this Christmas. You know, just go ahead and just do both. That's how I feel about it. Okay. Um, and in terms of entertainment, can can you think can we go too far like into like the Amos and Andy, the you know the soft shoeing and and even taking over blackface, which happened in the early 1920s, where black actors would do blackface? Um, do you think we can ever go too far in entertainment and too pleasing to a white audience and create those stereotypes, or is it like free reign in film, like whatever you want to do, just do it? Well, really, it's it's never really free reign in film because it's technically the studio's film, so it may be ours, but it's not really ours. Yeah. So, I mean, it just it just depends on the filmmaker with the, like the going too far aspects and everything like that. So, so I don't necessarily think so, but but it's also just not free reign and free nilly willy as as you please. Okay, and in terms of social issues, like. What do you think is the place of some of these directors and film writers and like what's going on today? Like what's their place to, should we, should we have, have some of them tell that story just like uh, Ryan did with um, Fruitvale Station? Is it, is it somebody's, not back to the duties, but what's their responsibility in that? Like when they see these things happen, is that a story they need to tell? Like when you see do the right thing or higher learning, like these those stories told a certain, those movies told a certain story of what was happening at either a PWI, predominantly white institution, or what was happening in the middle of the hood with, you know, police brutality and being choked out and, and, and dying by the hands of the police. Like, is it there, outside of their duty, is there any responsibility for them to tell social issues, stories? Um... I want to say yes, because they're the ones that are actually going to want to tackle these types of situations and be able to go full steam ahead and display and show and like keep it in people's faces. People be like, you know, this is happening right now. Nothing's ever changed. So we need to go ahead and like, you know, finance and get these movies made to just tackle and like show like, yo, this is still going on and there needs to be a change. And so I'm going to illustrate and show you on screen and just keep it in your face. Like, nah, this, this is, this stuff like this is not going away. So we can't just, just hide and run from it. If you, if you know what I mean, like how I'm trying to explain, I don't know if I'm explaining it good, but yeah. So, I mean, and with that being said, a lot of times, like those films aren't easily, like you said, like produced because of big, you know, big studios. Yeah, and it's all and, about money, really, to be honest. Yeah, and, and and Spike Lee really before I mean before X, um, he didn't have the biggest box office hits. Um Mm-mm. 
Um, it was independent films. He, he, he got money from different people. Um, is it important to, to kind of, for some black directors to like steer away from the, the big tent movies like the Black Panthers and, and try to go towards an independent route just to make sure our stories are told? Or is the money, you know, the, the, the number one goal? I mean, as a filmmaker, as a storyteller, I think it is important to like, you know, not just do the constant little Black Panthers, big studio, big budget films, also go like independent route and tell, tell just little stories, you know, and just, and just be you, be creative and show, illustrate something like from the hood or just a good like family gathering type movies and everything like that. So, so, so yeah, I, I, I think so. And I think right now, like where the social climate is, I think people are hungry for those those stories. And one yeah. of the stories that we're about to see is uh, hopefully come out will come out soon. Judas and the Black Messiah about uh, Fred Hampton, um, one of my heroes. I have him on my wall. Um, uh, Black Panther was murdered at the age of 21 by the uh, Chicago PD. So they about to, they're about to tell that story. Did you see the trailer? I did. So tell me, what, what after you saw the trailer, what what, what do you think? Being a you know a film student and, and seeing that, what was your thoughts? Oh, I absolutely loved it. I loved it a lot because these are because they because if you really sit there and think about it, how many like stories like that actually get made? Mm-hmm. Like how many how many movies about the Black Panthers other than the comic book hero Black Panther actually get made? So yeah. I, I loved it, and I was I was extremely happy to see that trailer. And actually, Ryan Coogler is producing it, yep. and he he told us when he came to UNLV, like yeah, they were working on it. So to see them actually put out a trailer for it, and us knowing that it's coming, like we're getting this story told very very soon in 2021, probably going to do like mid to early 2021 or something like that. So yeah, so for people to actually be able to see this movie and learn this story. Because there's a lot of us that don't fully know the full story of it, and actually being able to see it on screen, it's it's major and it's going to be very impactful. So I'm I'm very excited. I'll be there. I'm probably going to reserve my tickets ahead of time. Yeah, right. Same here. And I, I think that's really important that that it goes back to telling those stories that you can't expect, you know, the white director to tell because this is a very how can I say. Some say a, a a very I don't want to say dangerous story to tell, but mm-hmm. uh, a story that's kind of like overlooked because it has those elements of um, how bad the police and the FBI was treating you know black nationalists or black panthers yep. and what they were doing, um, the positive things they were doing, how they were putting moles into their system. And most people, the average African American, an average person, wouldn't know who Fred Hampton was at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I talk talk about him in my ethnic studies class, they're like, well, who's that, right? Um, and yep, most people can't exactly. tell you what the Black Panthers really stand for because, you know, we're told on, on some news stations that they were as bad as the KKK, but that's very far from the fact. So yeah. I'm hoping that this story would, would, you know, especially being a big, a big theater film, um, that it will mm-hmm. really hit home for not only African-Americans, but for everyone. Um, so with that being said, man, I need to hear from you your top five, in no particular order, your top five black films. 
top five black films. Just nineties, two thousands, all of it. Hmm. Just you know, yeah. however you want to do it. You know, it's I'm, a tough one. I got a little. Yeah, it it is a tough one considering because the nineties was where golden. it really got the pop. And yes, that's the golden age, and then it kind of sizzled out like in the two thousands. Yeah. Then 2010s, they got it's it's a little something getting a yeah, little better. You see more more artists like a Ryan Coogler and everything coming out because like real quick on the Ryan Coogler on Fruitvale Station thing, it's like with the black filmmakers, it's it's really about like opportunity. So, like for example, Spike Lee do the right thing. You provide opportunity because. Nobody knew really Martin Lawrence at the time, and he he put yeah. him on to that movie. And so with with Ryan Coogler and Fruitvale Station, Octavia Spencer and Forrest Whitaker were producers on the film, and they gave him the opportunity to do that. And fun fact, Octavia Spencer, when she first saw Ryan Coogler, she thought he was the PA of the film mm-hmm. set. And if you don't know what the PA is, the PA is the personal assistant who helps out on set and has like a walkie-talkie and does like the little things that's needed to help with like cinematographers and everything on there. So, so yeah, one not like it's it's just constant opportunity given from one person to the other. Like Ryan, that's how Ryan Coogler put to basically put Michael B. Jordan on yeah. to where he is now because you may have known him from The Wire or his movie like Chronicle, but what really like put him out there was Fruitville Station. Yeah. So, so yeah, real quick on that. But yeah, back to the top five. Um, so yeah, don't run them, away from it. I'm not, I'm not running. One of them, like, if you know me, everybody knows me. Um, Boys in the Hood, it's, it's, it's automatic. Got to be in there. No ifs, ands, buts about it. Just that, that, that John Singleton's debut film with just true story of, like, this is exactly what it is from the title, Boys in the Hood. This is the life of just some black men in the hood. And I just, whew, every black family, no matter who you are, you have to watch it at least once. It's mandatory. So that's one. You have to watch it once, you got to watch it a hundred times after that, though. Yep, exactly. <laughs> I got the 4K steelbook and everything. Oh, and yeah. I also, I also, and I also, with Boys in the Hood, with my club, we do screenings and we got a new theater. So I was like, for Black History Month, this is what the movie we're going to screen. So, uh, yeah. Boys in the Hood, another one. I gotta go with my all-time favorite comedy. You know where I'm going with this. Yeah, I know where you're going. <laughs> I'm going with Friday. Just Friday. It's just a simple little premise. Just two dudes chilling in the neighborhood on the front porch, relaxing, enjoying a Friday. You get some good laughs. You know, you just... Like Classic. it's iconic. It's, yeah. it's too quotable. Like if you watch it, everybody should know it by heart, scene for scene. Devo, all Craig, Smokey, just. Woo. <laughs> I think I might try to go watch it again later. I know, right? It might it might happen. <laughs> you might just might. Okay, so for this next one, I'm gonna go with a, I'm gonna go with a recent one. This just might be, I'm, I, I do a coin flip between my favorite or second favorite Spike Lee film. And if you know this, it's Black Klansman. 
Okay. Okay. I adored Black Klansman when I saw it in the theater. I was like, whoa. And Spike Lee, he knew how to put that perfect balance of, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna make you laugh, but when it's time yeah. to get serious, we're gonna it's, it's some hard, heavy stuff. But I'm gonna allow you to breathe with some little good moments, but just to let you know, this is a true story of some actual stuff that happened back in the day. Okay. I got a, I got two more spots left. To two pick. more. Two more. Two more. Two more, huh? I'm going to go with, I think this, I don't know if it's your favorite because we, you did used to talk about this a lot in class. What? Juice. Juice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Juice is Juice. a joint. I got the I got a little theater in the house and that that's that's on the wall, bro. Yeah, juice. Yeah. Juice yeah. is just did you see did you see the movie before I talked about it or did you watch it Oh after? yeah, I saw it. Oh, I saw it plenty of times before. Okay. Yeah. I'm about to say it was, juice is cool. It was in the black the black film archive at the, at the yeah. crib. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the, the one you gotta grab out. Yeah, that's an important one, man. Yeah. Oh, that's a and, good one. You got a solid you got a little solid list though, man. It's, yeah, it's that movie's just Watch who you surround yourself with. Yeah, that's, man. That's it. Like, man. he could have been a big-time DJ, but once he surrounded himself around who he did, everything flipped from there. Man. Woo! For man, my it, last it, one. It, it, man. Go ahead, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> For my last spot, huh? I can go Minister Society. I could go New Jack City. Oh man, yeah, man, it's too many, bro. Yeah, man, I'm sorry to put you like that, man. <laughs> oh man. Oh snap! You know, I could, I could do an important one. I know you're not gonna do Belly because you hate Belly. Uh, I, I, I hate. Belly. I understand not this, young man, y'all. Belly. Just, at the end of the day, it's just some, just some New York dudes. I'm working with the feds. That's it. If I had a banana, I'd be like, I don't like that. I don't like that. <laughs> okay, so for my fifth spot, considering my age and everything, I might just have to go here with this one. All right. I think I will. Yep. It's a 2010s movie. I, I don't know if you're going to know what I'm going to say. All right, let's see. But it was pretty big. But when it came out, because it was like, oh, this is like one of the first little hood movies that we get in a long time based on a true story. Straight out of Compton. Ah, uh, this dude said straight out of Compton. I love straight out of Compton. I love straight out of Compton. They had a black director, black producers. All right. Everything. All right. Straight out of Compton is cold. Okay. Okay. I need to yeah. hear yours now, man. Man, my mine is it's it's tough for me, man, because all these different movies played a big role. Um, mm-hmm. but I'm gonna go with X. Okay, um, okay. I that's that that should have been Denzel leading role Oscar. Um that movie opened up the door to a lot of people to read the autobiography of Malcolm X, which is which is better. Um, because you get to see the age that Malcolm was when he was doing half the stuff that's shown in the movie. Bro was like mm-hmm. 17 years old in yep. Harlem by himself. Um, being the point person for prosecute, prostitutes. So, I mean, mm-hmm. like, this is like majors running around with Red Fox. Um, yeah. Some said that's who um, Spike Lee role really was, but he was a mixture between a couple of his friends. 
Um, and that movie did did something to me um, as a kid when I watched it. It's just like, yeah. wow, like it, it, you just saw the power um, and the strength that like Malcolm X had and also how his life changed um, drastically, mm-hmm. not once, um, but really three times within, within the film from his childhood to going into manhood to, you know, switching to the nation of Islam then lastly leaving the nation of Islam and changing like some of his thoughts on, mm-hmm. uh, on the world. Um, after that, I, this is not in order, by the way, this is not in order. Um, cause it's too tough, bro. Um, I would put in there, uh, poetic justice. Mm. It's just one of them, it's one of them love films and, 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 <clears throat> and I'm, I'm a big Pac fan and it just shows the, what Pac could have done if he, if was given a chance to, to really fulfill his, his, uh, acting destiny. Um, yeah. it's just a beautiful story to me, man. It was like, who didn't want to be Pac and date somebody like Janet? You know what I mean? Like Paul yeah. like Justice, I'm sorry. And it was just like with the with the what was going on from you see the street side, but even in the middle of what's going on in the streets, they still was trying to find love, just trying to have a regular life. Um mm-hmm. so even touched on um uh how you know brutality when it came to men. You know, with with, uh, with his boy putting his hands on on his girlfriend, and yeah. you know that it, it touches on a lot of stuff. So that that's that film is is cold, and just the road trip because everybody wants to take a road trip. Um, mm-hmm. Dang! After that, I'm gonna go with. Um, I think it's Boys in Hood has to be in the top five. Yeah, list. you got to. It got to be because um, it, it's 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 a coming to age story um, mm-hmm. that that you know for years Hollywood would do like coming to age stories uh for you know for 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 white people of course for the boys coming together and having yeah. fun walking on the, the the railroads and stuff like that. Lean on me, right? So yep. you got you got all those happening and we finally got one. It was Boys in the Hood, but it was a twist to it of course because it's like what they're going through. And you can see you see like even with the interaction between the police and Trey when when he mm-hmm. first met the police officer as a kid, he's like, "Hey, little fella, you know." Yeah. Then when he sees him again years later, yep. Yep. You know, he's like a gang. He he's a thug or something. That's his, and that's what as being a black man, you have to realize. Like my my son today, he's five years old. Another one's three months. You know, he's mm-hmm. they're cute kids. Like, oh, hey, little buddy, how you doing? But when they get you know six feet or five eight, whatever, five ten muscles and and their little mustache, they sixteen seventeen years old. Now they're Look a threat. Like a threat. Yep. Yeah, so that that he he shows that on that. So that's three. I got two more. I have two, two more. more. I'm keeping it all nineties. I'm keeping a buck with you. Clansman okay, okay. with all that stuff was really good. Um, I but, it. but man, ah, uh, I'm gonna go with higher learning. I okay, know. I, I, I knew you for the. I knew it because you tried to show it in class about senior year, but you didn't get the I, I I showed that in um my ethnic studies class because it, it pretty much is everything I teach in one film, uh, from sexism to mm-hmm. racism to stereotypes, uh, PWIs from just like trying mm-hmm. to make it, being treated how you treated as an athlete, and it's yeah. a black. I know I know it's a mixed. Um, a mixed a mixed cast, but it's a black film because you're black director, black leading stars, um, yep. and it's it's just a crazy film. And I think that every every person of color, and especially every college student of color, they mm-hmm. need to see this film um, because it's just 
it, it, it kind of shows you what to expect when you go to a PWI um, yep. in terms of how you might be treated and how things are different. It's, it's a culture shock if you're coming from, you know, a very diverse community and you go to mm-hmm. a PWI where you're only like, if you go to USC or UCLA and you're a black male, you're less than 2% of the population. Exactly. So, you know what I mean? So it's not what it's not what you see on movies when it's like all oh, the black students hang out, it's easy to find. Like they have black dorms because there's no, literally no black people there. So mm-hmm. that, that film, like as a kid, that's one of the films that made me want to be like, man, I want to go to college. Like, wow, that's <laughs> you know what I mean, even though yeah. it ends like horribly, you know what I mean? And mm-hmm. when, when his girlfriend dies, I don't want to put too much on it, but when, he, when she dies as a kid, bro, I saw that movie as a kid, you know what I mean? Like when it, <laughs> when it came out on Blockbuster, I remember going to Blockbuster to get it with my yeah. parents. And that in the 90s, you could watch stuff like that, just close your eyes on parts you couldn't see. And, um, Bro, I cried, bro. I cried. <laughs> I was like, that was my was girlfriend. Like you know, and, and the last one, I'm taking it all the way back. Um, and I just thought about it. And I got so many more I could pick. But School yeah, Days. Right. School Days Ooh. from Spike Lee. That's a, I wasn't that, expecting that. That's a sleeper. Um, that's one of his first, like, major films that, mm-hmm. like, like, you know, he put people on on that one. and. Yep. It's just all about once again the college life, but through the eyes of HBCU, um, mm-hmm. you ain't getting no parts of that. I'm gonna leave it right there. So, <laughs> so it's just it, it's serious, funny, and at the end, the biggest the biggest scene. And I used this in one of my podcasts was in terms of when you start yelling, "Wake up!" And that's where we get the idea, like I'm woke. That comes from mm-hmm. that film, and a lot yeah. of people may not know that. And I, I think if especially if, if you're a, a black college student. That's a film I think you need to see because um, it, it it touches on colorism and, and touches on the way we treat each other within our own community. Um, and the idea of like, you know, the, the talented 10th, that 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 upper W.E.B. Du Bois, like uh, bougie people, you could say, right? It touches on yeah. all that, the highly educated and how we treat each other. So it those are my five. It's It wasn't easy because like you said, man, I can go on and on. Um, but those five, and most of those five are on, on my wall. They those yeah. those those hit different for me. Um, yep. <laughs> and if, if you notice, they're all diver- diverse films. So I mean, the mm-hmm. idea that black film has to be one thing and is is very incorrect. Yeah, it could be like everything. Because I mean, easily you could throw Black Panther in there and 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 in there because how big of the a splash that it make, and it's Man. a superhero film. You know what I mean? So it's like made a billion. Yeah. So we have to understand like the black film industry is much larger than just, you know, hood tales. And even the yep. black television, you know, is much bigger than than black than anything. You look at the 90s, like me and my wife watching Moesha again. And I grew up on Moesha, and it's like, man, Moesha was really a cold show. Like, like, and I'm like, dang, I remember all this stuff. Um, Cause I grew up in, you know, I born in the 80s, grew up in the 90s. So my last question for you is this, like, what, what, what do you want out of this film life? And like, what are your goals? So we can kind of look out for, you know, where, where you're going. Cause I know you used to want to do the wrestling thing. Then you, uh, <laughs> he wanted to produce like the, the, the raw then he then he came to his sense and said, "I want to make movies." So yeah, I'll um, back to the movies. <laughs> so talk to me, like, wh- wh- where what are your goals and 
And you know, where can we hopefully find you in the future? Man, for me personally, I just want to be able to just, just tell us, tell my story, just be able to show my creativity and and just put on the forefront, just, you know, I'm going to tell y'all a different type of black story. Yeah. You know, I'm going to give you a mixture of some laughs, some drama, make cry a little bit, but I'm going to give you the whole mix all in one. And not only that, I want to do what I'm trying to do now is just, you know, like I said, just give opportunities because yeah. it's only it's only so many opportunities for there to be black leads in films. So I feel like, you know, if you're a black director, you should more lean into like having black lead films. That's why I respect Jordan Peele because he's she straight up said like every movie he's making, it's going to be a black lead. So that's what I want to do. I want to be able to just provide opportunities, give, you know, just like have like the best people forward and not just be just, you know, oh, this is a black film. So we're just going to. They're just going to give you just all the black people. I just want the best people for for each position. And if it's black, you know, you're going to get that. You're going to get that opportunity. Yeah, that's great, man. And and I think you mentioned Jordan Peele before we leave. I think Jordan Peele, Get Out could have easily been on the list as well. And I mean, Mm -hmm. and literally. That was was different. Yeah. And what he's doing with the Twilight Zone, if you guys haven't seen, it's it's an, I, and I'm a big Twilight Zone fan. I'm talking about the '60s episodes, like I watched every single one of them more than once. And seeing what he's done in the la- in the first two seasons of the new CBS uh, version that's on their on their um, app, it's it's amazing. He's doing great work, and the Candyman's supposed to be coming out sooner or later. And I can't wait. That looks Man. that looks amazing. It does, and he he gave that. He's a producer and a writer on the movie. Yeah, he he hires the the Nia Da Costa, yeah, black woman onto that film. So he he already like launched her into yeah. an opportunity by having her direct that movie. And if you don't know, she's about to direct a Marvel movie, Captain Marvel two. Really? Wow. So see okay. see opportunities coming up with opportunities within yeah. ourselves. That's what it's all about. Yeah, co co signing. That's good, man. Yeah. I just want to say um, I, I appreciate you and. Um, Thank you for being a part of uh, one of the episodes. Man, it was amazing, brother. Good hearing from you. I appreciate it. I appreciate you for letting me have me on you, man. It's just, this, this stuff is fun, you know? If you ever give me an opportunity to talk movies, black movies at that, I'm, you what ready? time? I'm going to make time for it. You know? Ready to go. All yeah, right, brother. Sir. All right. Welcome to another Be Inspired moment. And I want to stay with the theme of film and actually use a quote and talk to you guys about this quote from Poetic Justice. And it says as follows, alone, all alone, nobody but nobody can make it out here alone. In this world that we live in today, it's very easy for us to feel alone as we sit at home, unable to go places and see our friends and family. It's real easy to feel lonely in this life that we we were just living in general, trying to make it to our goals. Uh, it's real easy to say it's lonely at top at the top. And I truly believe that none of us can make it in this life by ourselves, that we need some assistance, some help, some shoulder to cry on, someone to bounce ideas off of. And even when you feel alone at this very moment, technology has allowed us to be close to people when we're thousands of miles apart. 
So utilize Zoom. Utilize FaceTime. Call the people that you love and treat the people that you love with the respect that they deserve and continue to build those relationships with them and understand that you're never alone. You have somebody out there that's willing to listen to you, that's willing to give you advice and just to be willing to hear you vent because sometimes we all need to vent. So with that being said, you're never alone. Bless. Enjoy your week. After this conversation, I I realized that African-Americans never had the power to tell their own story until really the last 25, 30 years. But we, we had people who were brave enough to try to tell our story. Oscar Micheaux of the early 1900s, when in 1918, he started as the first African-American director and told stories of the of the black experience the best way he could. And he started around the same time The Birth of a Nation was a box office hit. The same movie that depicted a character in blackface that would rape and kill white women. And the knight in shining armor was the KKK. Imagine that backdrop. We've seen Mammies. We've seen the soft shoe. We've seen so many different characters and stereotypes that were created in film. And today we can stop that. And I'm happy to see that we have so many directors, actors, and writers willing to to take that on and willing to tell the story of of African Americans and that it doesn't have to always be socially driven, but it can be entertainment. But I truly believe that someone has to tell the story of police brutality. Someone has to tell the story of a coming of age story. It ha- all these things are necessary. And I'm just happy to be in the time to see these things occur. And I think the future is, is really bright um, in film. But with that being said, we all have a responsibility to support these films and support television. If we want to see another uh, how can I say, time like the 90s where there were shows like Moesha, the Parkers, and all these shows on TV, Sister, Sister. If we want to see that again, we have to be willing to support. So with that being said, don't just sit there. Watch too. And I could do all things. I could do all things. Yeah, I could do all things. Yeah, yeah, we came a long way. That's what the songs say. And I could do all things. I could do all things.